Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast. I am your host, Tim Blizzy, and we are back with another episode. And today's guest is the founder of one of the most successful businesses in the UK. Please welcome founder and ex-CEO of the Admiral Group, Mr. Henry Engelhardt. Uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Henry Engelhardt. Henry, thanks for coming on and speaking to us today. Uh, can you just uh, give us a bit of background as to yourself, where you're from, and how you ended up working in, in Wales? Uh, my great pleasure to be here, Tim. Thanks for having me. Uh, yes, I'm originally from Chicago. Uh, my wife is from Paris, and the UK is our compromise. We speak English, <laughs> uh, we get American football on Sunday nights, and we're hop, skip, and a jump from Paris. And we've been here now for well over 30 years. So, um, and, and Wales came because of the business, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, but the sure. UK uh, was kind of a middle ground for us. And here we are, still 30 years later, 30 years plus. Still th- an honorary Welsh uh, Welshman uh, now, Henry. So you, you mentioned about the business then. We're talking about Admiral Insurance, okay? I mean, I'm sure everybody in Wales knows Admiral Insurance. Most people around the world know what it is. But can you just, for, for the viewers, just explain uh, what it actually is, what the business is? Well, Admiral um, has, is, is basic business is, is private car insurance for, you know, individuals. Um, the UK is our biggest market. We're the market leader here. But we also have operations in France, Spain, Italy, and the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. We also pioneered price comparison and um, had operations in, in the U.K., Spain, and France, and the U.S. We've still got the U.S., but recently sold off the, um, the other three operations. And now we're into things like loans, travel insurance, um, business insurance, things like that, where we're the, the, the group is expanding quite rapidly at the moment. Well, that's, that's amazing to hear. Of course, you said it's the market leader here. It's easily, I think, probably the most well-known business in Wales. I, I forgot to mention home insurance. Sorry, home insurance as well. I mean, it's good to have lots of lots of avenues, right, and lots of uh, lots of uh, uh, things you can do in terms of business. As far as Admiral Insurance and the idea goes, um, and when it started, why did you choose Wales? Okay, so um, we were a business plan team in London hired by a managing agency at Lloyd's of London to set up and run what became Admiral. And we sent out letters. We knew we could put the business anywhere. At the time, it was telephone-based business. We knew we could put it anywhere, kind of outside the M25. So we sent off 10 letters to areas that give grants for locating businesses in in those areas, and we got one reply, and that was, was Cardiff. We did go visit some of the others. We visited Leeds, Corby, Folkestone, I remember, and um, um, and they all said, lovely business plan and all. And if you locate here, let us know and we'll see if we can help you. And the a group of Welsh agencies led by the WDA were kind of falling all over themselves to, to see if they could get us to locate to, uh, to Cardiff. And in the end, though, we were headed to Brighton without a grant. We had a building picked out. We were just a few weeks from from moving from our temporary offices into uh, into a new place in Brighton. And the WDA uh, came up with a one million pound grant. And as a startup, we couldn't ignore a million pounds. Sure. And sure. Uh, we, we actually got off to an amazingly good start. Um, and we a- never really needed the million. We, we did take it, mind. Um, but uh, it wasn't necessary for survival as we thought it might be. And I reckon, though, we've put over two billion back in the local economy in our almost 30 full years of trading. So Amazing. it wasn't too bad a return on their uh, on their million. No, absolutely not. 
Um, you said that you you were looking. Oh, you had the office based in Brighton. I suppose most most businesses, especially back in the nineties, would would automatically think London is the place to be. So was it just a matter of well, Cardiff's offered, we'll go there, or, or did Wales sort of appeal to you in any other way? Well, uh, you know, I think we were a bit naive. I remember when I started to, you know, we were looking, starting to look at Cardiff seriously. I went home and said, oh, we were thinking of putting this business uh, to my wife. I said, we're starting to think about putting this business in Cardiff. And we took out one of these big maps of the UK and, and we said, well, where is it exactly? And, and somebody said, it's just along the M4. And so we just kind of ran our finger. Along, oh, there it is. You know, we didn't really <laughs> even know where it was. So um, it was it was fortuitous for everyone, though. It, it is very nice uh, being in, in, in Wales. Um, the workforce is, is amazing. And um, we're kind of a big fish in this pond. Whereas if we go on to Brighton, mm. we would be just another business in, in the London and the southeast area. So uh, that's been rather nice for us. And, um, you know, we, we love Wales and Wales is the cap, uh, the home and the uh, headquarters for Admiral Group worldwide. And, and that's a, you know, a 10 billion um, pound company. Uh, at last look, I think we were the 55th biggest quoted company in the UK. Mm. Well, it's amazing. I mean, you know, I'm a proud Welshman, so I love the fact that you've had the business here. It's it's easily been one of the biggest businesses ever to grace, I think, the country. You've been involved in some some major things, supporting the um, and sponsoring the, the the national team, national rugby team as well. And you did the Admirals Big Weekend. So you've done lots of stuff, I think, as well for the country uh, and for citizens as a whole. I think, Henry. Um, when looking back to the '90s, '93, uh, I believe uh, you started Admiral. Is that right? We, we, we sold the first policy on January 2nd, 93. Obviously, it was, you know, I joined uh, this managing agent at Lloyd's. Officially, it was the middle of June, 91. Put together the team, okay. wrote the business plan, started setting it up, and we launched on January 2nd, 93. Sure. How did you, being in Wales in that 93 and you sold that first policy, how did you find running the business uh, actually in Wales? Did you, was there any support available at that time? Well, we did get the the, the, the big grant from the WDA. Yeah. That was a, sure. really a, a major thing for us because it meant that even if things didn't go really well at the beginning, uh, we wouldn't be running out of money anytime soon. Uh, we were very fortunate. Things did go really well at the beginning. So uh, we weren't uh, dependent on that money for survival. And sure. the, you know, the, the Welsh agencies that courted us, they helped us to find property and get, you know, helped us with advisors and things like that. But once we got going, you know, we were we were on our own. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we were not a, a business supported by government in any sure. way, shape or form. And we have applied in those early years when we moved to Swansea in particular, we applied for some more grants and we got some some modest grants to, to locate there. But mm -hmm. uh, since then, it's kind of been uh, quite independent. Did it alter when the Welsh government formed in 1999? Did did was there any involvement from them then? Did that help expand your business? Did it grow your business? Did be, it, because obviously uh, the Welsh Assembly coming into play, did that put a highlight? Do you think on your business at the time? No, nothing at all. No, no impact whatsoever. None. In terms of starting in the 90s, then, and of course you went public in 2004. Correct. Is that right? Very yeah. good. So. Going from that period of when you first sold your policy, your business, of course, has, has seen significant growth over that period. What do you think the main things were that caused that growth? And how would you suggest anyone gets from that small team to on the periphery of actually going public as a company? Well, 
gosh, that's a, you know, a two hour, a two hour question. question. It's a huge question. Um, you know, running a business is hard work. And I've, I've kind of thought about it a fair amount. And um, I, I've, I've written a, a little book about it called Think, Lead, Succeed. And what mm -hmm. I boiled it down to is that there are three, um, three aspects to really creating a, a good business and, and becoming a great leader. And the first is really important. It's making really good decisions. You're going to be yep. faced with all sorts of decisions, internal, external facing, well, you name it, regulators, governments, etc., to create your business. And you've got to make good decisions. The second thing that you need to do is to be great with people. And that's people outside the company, people inside the company. You've got to be a really good leader of people because no big business is formed by, you know, just one person just snapping their fingers all the time. It takes large groups of people to create big successful organizations and that means they have to be well trained well motivated they have to be intelligent they have to be well recruited etc so um, there's a lot in your people management skills that get tested all the time and last thing is an interesting one but served us very well and that's creativity um, you really you can't really be a great success just by imitating everything somebody else does you've got to do something differently something better than the way it's being done uh, currently, or something brand new, something very creative. So we did a lot of creative things at Admiral, and almost every one of them helped propel us forward into becoming the market leader and a you know the the most profitable car insurer, and in, certainly in the UK, uh, mm -hmm. without without uh, anybody being in second place for the last uh, twenty years, thirty years, almost thirty years. So um, yeah, creativity is very important. So make great decisions, great with people creativity. You score on those three th three things, you can have a great business. So if we can elaborate on, on the middle point, talking about the people, because of course, any business, whether it's a service or whether it's a product needs customers. How, would you, how important do you think management then is of, as you, as you said, people internally and externally? Without that, do you think this just, it, this, it'll be impossible to have the kind of growth that Admiral had over the years? I think these things, I've seen a lot of what are, you know, surprisingly successful businesses where they don't treat people very well. It does, it does happen. I don't think it's long lasting. I think you, know, you have to keep in mind that, that business is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And what you want is sustained um, outperformance of, of your, your competitors and sustained profitability. And uh, in a sense, bad people management can get you things in the short term and maybe even for a few years, but overall it degrades your results. So even if you do well, you probably could have done better. The whole, the whole thing we focus on is how to get the most from every individual. That if you could get 10% more effort and thought from everybody who worked for you, and we employ upwards of 10,000 people, think at how much extra effort and thought that would total and what it could do to your business. But you have sure. to work hard at that. You know, you have to really mm -hmm. care for your people. Um, it's not just lip service. Um, I'm very proud that not only has Admiral got an incredible record of profitability and uh, financial success, but that we've been uh, the only company in the Sunday Times top 100 companies to work for all 20 years now that that's been compiled. The only one, mm -hmm. nobody else has been there all 20 years. Uh, and not only, are those two things there, the fact that we realize that if you can, in a sense, be in that list, if you can really score well with your people, 
then you really enhance your chance of that financial success. Putting those things together is what's, is what's really powerful. It's not just, hey, we'll be nice to people and we'll make money. They aren't separate. They're very much hand in hand. And uh, Admiral owes its fantastic financial record to its people, um, thousands of people every day. Yeah, well, I can attest to that, Henry, because I, I have a secret. I worked for Admiral Insurance back in 2002, I think it was, uh, in your claims department. And um, right. it was, and you could tell just the ethos of the company, the environment that, that, that the, the company had. It was a place where you wanted to go. It was a place where you wanted to work because it wasn't just about going there and doing the job. It was much more about the community feel as well, which I think only enhances, like you say, the ability for people to drive the business forward because they want to work for you. And I know that Admiral did a lot of things uh, for this staff. I know you, you hold an event every year. Is that right? Um, you put on the Big Admiral Party. Have you had lots uh, every about two it? Year. Every two years for the Big Admiral Party. And, and they've been some every incredible party in, in the Principality Stadium um, and other places along the years. And we've had top name entertainment. Um, yeah, those have been spectacular. But those are the things that kind of get the headlines. What's really important, though, is that day-to-day -day management. And it's, yeah. it's, it's being for your people. We want our people to succeed. We're not, our managers aren't there to, to keep our people down, which is amazing to me. But I hear stories like this in so many businesses it seems to pit the managers against the staff or mm -hmm. the managers against other managers. And business is tough enough between competition and regulation and government and consumer behavior and, you know, economics and all these types of things. Business is damn difficult. And to have infighting in your business uh, just defies logic to me. I just don't get it. Um, you've got to get rid of those things and get everybody rowing in that same direction that's when you get the real when you can really harness that power of everybody in your organization and like you said that they wake up in the morning and they want to be in the office it's not like they jump out of bed and go yippee admiral insurance let me at them okay calm down guys <laughs> but when they get there they go you know what on balance this is okay i like being there i have a laugh with my colleagues uh, my manager's pretty nice i like talking to customers whatever it might be and they want to be there um, every morning that they come in. That is what we strive for. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think it's, it's, you mentioned about rowing the boat. I think what people sometimes in businesses, people I've interviewed and businesses that I know, for some reason they, they tend to focus a little bit on this hierarchy and it's almost if, well, I'm the manager and they throw that title around like it's, it's the be all and end all of the business. Whereas I think what people forget is that although you know, there is a manager and there's people who are rowing the boat, for example, you're all in the boat together. You're all trying to get to that line together. And I think that's a really important point you said, because I, I do think a lot of times in certain businesses that I've had dealings with, they forget that completely. Yeah. Um, it's even more important so, yeah. than that. It, it, you know, it's, we believe in the inverted pyramid. The top of our company is the customer. And the next mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in the queue in the company is the people who deal with customers. And those are generally mm -hmm. people on the phone or maybe they're writing code for the website or something like that and then managers, and then senior managers, and then a CEO, and at the bottom of the pyramid is the board. And mm -hmm. the board is here to support the CEO, who's here to support the senior manager, support the manager, support the people who support the most important people in the company, and that's the customer. And that's, mm -hmm. the, that's how we look at it. You know, our managers are here to do whatever they can to help the people who are dealing with the customers to do their jobs better, easier, and more efficiently, and give a better sure. service to the customer. Because end of the day, you know, you need every customer, any business who throws customers away. And I've seen it 
quite often, you know, I just scratch my head. How can you afford to throw a customer away? It's so hard to get customers in virtually any business that to do something that turns them away is just diabolical, crazy. Yeah. Sure. And I suppose when we're talking about, you know, the inverted pyramid, you've got the customers, then obviously the staff that deal with the customers. Then you've got, I suppose you've got the managers then who manage those staff. How important is it then? And I suppose this is an obvious question. and I think I know the answer already, but how important is it is picking those right people? And how do you go about making sure you pick the right people? What, what do you base um, your assessment on for these people who are going to manage that core yeah. group of staff? Well, we, we, we like to bring people in to certain roles, even senior, sort of senior people into general roles, see what they're made of, see what they're good at, see what they're less good at, and then move them up and along in the organization. It's much harder, and we have done it with some success, to just bring somebody in from the outside and drop them straight into a senior role. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it works much better if you bring somebody into kind of a less senior role, and then six months, a year, two years, five years, whatever it might be later, 10 years, move them up the organization to, to, to be managed because then they're bought in to the culture. They're bought into the ethos. They know how it works. They've been through it. They know in their own mind what works and what doesn't. And that's, that's really, I find much more effective way of ensuring that continuity of culture throughout the organization for a long time to come. Do you think there's been any other aspects to your business that you focus on as CEO that have really propelled the business forward, taking out what we talked about now about um, customers and staff and management, of course, and picking the right people? What other areas do you think that have really made the difference in going from you know, your initial first policy sale in 93 to flotation in, in 2004? Well, you know, that comes back to those other two things, which is creativity and making good decisions. Mm -hmm. And we've been fortunate to be able to do both. Um, you've got to take some risks in business. And this means you have to try things. Now, I hate it when I hear somebody say, oh, we embrace failure. Blah, I gag on that. <laughs> Nobody embraces failure. Nobody wants to fail. You want to try something, you want it to work. But not everything works. And you shouldn't be afraid to try something because it might fail. You've got to get out there and try new things, new ways of appealing to people. And you look at the, 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 the big businesses today, some of them weren't even around 25, 30 years ago, but they tried something new and it worked. And even then some of the older businesses that have done really well, they've changed, they, they've evolved. They haven't been afraid. They haven't just dug their heels in and said, look, we run the, uh, you know, the horse and pony uh, um, franchise here. And that's what we're going to do where we don't believe cars are going to work uh, because they will. And, and so you, you've really got to evolve your business and, and be constantly changing, being nimble, keeping in mind that, you know, we're in, in, in the world of insurance, we're, we're a, a speedboat in a world of super tankers. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we're not a big company in our world. Um, so we've got to be nimble. We've got to outmaneuver them. We can't just wait for, for them to let us in because they won't. So, uh, you know, you need to be creative. You need to be able to take some risks and you need to be able to make decisions. Know when to cut things off when they don't work and push things out when they do work. Well, things must have worked for you, Henry, because of the growth that Admiral's seen. Like you say, you employ over 10,000 people globally. Um, when you first started working here in, 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 in the 90s, 
and up till the time that you you step down as CEO in Admiral. You you span three decades effectively of business in Wales. How different was it from the nineties to now? Well, you know the the growth uh, and development of the internet has been just incalculable how different things yeah. are. You know, we were a telephone business. There was no internet. And then you had the period where there was internet. But uh, those of you old enough in the audience remember dial-up connections. Uh, yeah, remember uh-huh. how, you know, how difficult it was to use. And then along comes more broad, more bandwidth and, and things like Wi-Fi and, um, you know, speed and ease of using it. And now, you know, people do, do it all, do all their insurance one-handed on their phone which, you know, we couldn't even dream of when we launched this company back in 93. So, you know, we've gone with the times, though. We, were, um, we became a leader in telephone-based. We then created price comparison through Confuse.com, and we ran our own internet offering called Elephant Co. UK, and both of the, those were big, big successes. So we moved into the internet age in a big way, and we've continued to adapt and learn throughout uh, the growth and development of the internet and now we're, you know, we're atop the pile still. So um, all this has been uh, been part of the evolution of our of our age. These last 30 years have seen probably more change than perhaps any other 30 years in history. It's incredible. And we've had to go with it. Otherwise, you get buried by it. Sure, sure. And I suppose that means that now, as opposed to the 90s, there's going to be far more opportunity to start and grow your business in Wales now, just because the Internet makes it so much more accessible. Well, absolutely. You know, you can, especially now post-COVID, you can do anything anywhere. Yeah, I know I was talking to our marketing manager in our U.S. operation, which is based in Richmond, Virginia. His last three recruits, one is from Florida, one is from Tennessee, and the last one's from California. And he may see them in person once a year, but he's hired them and they're all happy and he talks to them virtually every day. And that's the way the world is going to go. Now, time zones may shape things a little bit, but you don't have to be in the location that the business is or where is a business located these days. You yeah. don't have to be in a certain location to to be a member of a team. And that's going to change things dramatically as that really picks up pace over the next few years. So people will get jobs from companies in other hemispheres um, and vice versa, be able to hire people from all over. Uh, to be able to do certain aspects of, of of the work needed for that for that business, that's a big change. I think it's definitely going to be a, a, a next uh, ten fifteen years uh, of change, certainly in in the world of business, especially in Wales. Uh, and since you um, stepped yeah, down so from Wales, uh, sorry Tim, to cut in there, but I think it means yeah, that you will find a lot more people want to live out here because it's a very yeah. nice place to live, and they no longer have to be in London five days a week or something mm-hmm. for their job. So why not live in Wales? Yeah, take the train back to London every couple of weeks. Um, that kind of thing. I, I, I think it will be very interesting to see how this plays out. Sure, and I think that type of working is more than manageable now. I don't see any need really to be constantly based in in one place, especially with the way that, that we're doing the podcast now. I mean, you haven't right. had to attend the office. You're doing it from... That's right. From, my uh, my daughter-in-law you know, just recently took a job. They have no office. They, they are yeah. all, the entire company is remote. It's amazing, really. It's amazing. Yeah. Would you have thought that sort of five, I ten years ago? I would have thought that two years ago, much less yet, you know, <laughs> a long time ago. So since you stepped down, Henry, as uh, a CEO from Admiral, I understand you've gone off and you started the, the Moondance Foundation. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and what you've been doing? 
Yes. I mean, Moondance actually started in 2010. Um, my okay. wife uh, is the uh, chairman of, of Moondance. It's, it's, um, Moondance is our, our uh, philanthropic arm. Um, we previously had been doing our own personal philanthropy, but we decided to uh, formalize it and also create an entity which we hope and expect to last um, long after uh, we do. Um, so our kids are all trustees, and we would hope that they will eventually take this over and run Moondance. And Moondance is there to help people who need help. There's no uh, very fine focus. Um, we do uh, we do have certain areas: the environment, um, women's uh, women's rights, uh, the most vulnerable. And um, my wife has set up a Moondance Cancer Initiative to um, help um, with with uh, gastrointestinal cancer outcomes in Wales. And so we're we've got a, a lot of money pointed towards that over the next five years, to, because Wales traditionally comes in very poorly in, in gastrointestinal intestinal cancer um, lead tables. And we want to see it do better. There's no reason why we can't change it so that actually Wales is the place other countries look to uh, when they say, how do we do better on GI cancer? Yeah, and I think we're talking about COVID as well. You mentioned that about um, becoming uh, the people, the place that people look to. I like to think that the, the way that we've sort of vaccinated everybody around the country, Wales has been that sort of leader in that sense. So I think as far as you know, the COVID vaccine and and pushing Wales up the table in terms of health, I think Wales is also climbing up the table in terms of business. Do you think Wales can be a world leader in business? Um, well, I don't know what, what it means. I, I, I don't buy into the Welsh economy. I don't buy in really to the British economy. I'm not even sure I buy into a European economy. I do okay. buy into a global economy. And, mm. uh, you know, there will be, in a sense, winners or losers, but I'm not sure it's by country. It's more by, mm. by uh, sector. So can Wales attract businesses that um, are in the right sectors for the future? I don't know. Um, I think uh, they probably need to do certain things to make it to make it more inviting for people to start businesses here. Um, but uh, you know I, I, I don't I don't think there's a there's a huge amount of control. I don't think you can just snap your fingers and the Welsh government could all of a sudden do something that would make uh, all, all these great businesses, you know, thrive and grow in Wales. Mm -hmm. um, they can create some foundation which makes it attractive for businesses to be here. And, and that's what I think they should be focusing on doing. And part of that is through education and part of it might be through uh, tax incentives, if that's possible. The Irish have done very well with that. Um, uh, and then grants and things and then making sure that the infrastructure is really tip top. And that means yep. roads, planes, um, internet, all those things need to be um, in, in a good state to, to get a good companies or, or new new organizations to, to put their businesses here. And I suppose it's, it's that mindset of thinking on the grander scale, isn't it? Like you talk about, you don't believe in necessarily in the Welsh or the British or the European economy, but one global economy where everybody is part of that one working environment effect, that business environment. Um, and thinking on a bigger scale, of course, like you say, Wales growing into having uh, more uh, planes and more growth and better infrastructure would effectively put it 
uh, higher up the scale. But effectively, what you're saying is is that it's already part of that grand scheme, effectively. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, if 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 people don't want to, if a, a U.S. business doesn't want to locate in Britain because of Brexit, mm. I, I don't care what Wales offers them. We're part of Britain, so that's not going to happen. And if a U.S. company doesn't want to ro- locate in Europe anywhere because they don't feel there's a good enough market. Well, it doesn't matter what the Welsh offer because we're part of, you know, we're in Europe. I mean, we're not part of the European Union, but we're still part of the European continent. So, you know, there's a lot of factors um, outside the control of the Welsh government. But what they can do is create the infrastructure. And like I say, education is really important. Um, Perhaps more investment there. I think more uh, more awareness would be helpful. I think um, a lot of people don't even know where Wales is. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we think in terms of whales, but I, I, I wager if you go to America and ask people to pin whales on the donkey, you know, show them a map that doesn't have whales, they wouldn't know where to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think a lot more awareness and that can be done through a lot of ways. It can be done through uh, our fantastic rugby team. Um, it can mm-hmm. be done through the football team. Those types of things get global coverage. You know, when when yeah. when Wales is in the international uh, tournaments at the, at the forefront that's what gets the global audience. And that's what we really need to do. We need to get the message out that we are here, that we are sort of separate. Um, it's not just dealing with uh, with Britain, it's dealing with Wales. And then the beauty sure. of Wales can take over. You know, if you can get them Absolutely. here um, and you get them on a dry day in particular, uh, <laughs> I don't know which day that is, um, then, uh, you know, then, you're, then you're, you're really likely to win them. Even absolutely. the wet days. It's green here. It's beautifully green here, people say. It is. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Well, Henry, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been quite insightful, actually, to hear you talk about your experience in business, but also some of the things you think that, that Wales could do better. Um, so I really appreciate your time. Henry Engelhardt, everybody. Henry, thank you so much. Hopefully we can do this again soon at a later date. And I really appreciate thank your you. time today. My pleasure. Just give a shout. Cheers. Thank you, Stay Henry. well. It was amazing for Henry coming on the show and to see how insightful and genuine he was. You can tell he is definitely a people person and the people were permanently at the forefront of his business and one of his keys to success. I know when I worked for Admiral many moons ago, you could tell it was definitely a company that did everything that they could to make their people happy. I loved his idea of a global economy as well, which Wales is already a part of, but it's it's the development of the infrastructure, the transport, the educational systems that, that need to be better so that Welsh businesses can enter that global arena. Um, I love that think big and global economy idea. Do we as business owners think too small? Uh, I think it boils down to the individual, but that mindset of global, it's a massive takeaway for me, uh, and I'll be looking to adopt that global view moving forward in, in my business practices. This podcast is brought to you by Be The Spark Wales. They are a Welsh government initiative that looks to support and grow businesses in our beautiful country. You can find out all about them. Give them a search on Google. They're also on Instagram as well, at bethespark.wales. Lots of material on there, including all of the game plan content. That content is also available on major streaming services such as iTunes and Spotify. You can also find out all about the initiative, all about game plan, by going to our website, www.kivastudio.co.uk forward slash game plan and on Instagram at Kiva underscore studio. Give us a like and a follow. Lots of amazing content coming from us as well. I'm really looking forward to seeing you again. I hope you tune in. Keep your eyes peeled for more amazing stories coming to you from Game Plan Podcast.